Hi, I'm Eric, also known as v 47 from the Ranger Command Power Hour and the Starfleet Escape Podcast. You're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com. It's morphin' time! Wallop and web snappers! My spider sense is tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Doug. And I'm Derek. And is your spider sense tingling? Yeah, and it's warning me about that rock and roll music that teenagers Ugh. are listening to. <laughs> to listen to the show, find us on 4eyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. And of course, we'd like to take a quick moment to thank our spectacular tier patrons, Bo, Carl, Eric, Katie, Jason, and David. Thank, thank you. you. And we are talking about the 1967 show, which means we are not just the two of us. We have a guest today, um, and we are joined uh, by the wonderful Stick Braxton, author and host of the Clueless Vino and Two Tall Boys podcast. How's it going, Stick? I'm doing okay, man. I'm doing okay. It's uh, I've had two days off, so I'm refreshed. So Ooh. I'm excited Ooh. to talk about Spider-Man, man. Yeah. yeah. Re- refreshed almost like you've drank from the fountain of youth. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am excited that you are joining us because it gave me an excuse to go out and buy a new bottle of wine. Hey. So I uh, am, am paying homage to one of your podcasts by drinking uh, some wine as we do this today. Um, before we get into your background with Spider-Man, do you want to talk a little bit about Clueless Vino and Two Tall Boys? Sure, man. Uh, I am the host of the Clueless Vino podcast where we use wine as a vehicle for conversation. And it's the only place that you can drink and drive. <laughs> yeah, so it's a, it's a podcast, man. Where, you know, I just like to get interesting people, like different backgrounds, different, you know, hobbies, interests, and, you know, just chat with them over over a glass of wine that I may or may mm. not know anything about, which is nine times out of ten, I don't know anything. Um, <laughs> but it's fun, man. I have a good time. You know, I've had Derek on there. It's it's, it's a good time, man. I, I love mm-hmm. I love doing that. And then the Two Tall Boys podcast is I co-host with my friend Keen, and we just go over, you know, pop culture, current events, uh, silly debates, like earlier this year, we where uh we did a tournament for the best one hit wonder uh so we do Ooh. we do fun things like that man um so yeah it, it's always a fun time usually over some drinks too so yeah nice. I, I, lo- I love the podcast game man nice yeah. i'm so curious i want to ask what one but but then people wouldn't go listen so go listen to that because that sounds amazing <laughs> <laughs> um i do like them they're very not they're very like nice chill casual conversations that kind of go wherever things take you which i like in a podcast it's like having a conversation uh, just happening while you're in the room it's great thank you i appreciate it man that's the best ones man just uh, that's why i like watching uh, listen to y'all man it's just two guys having a conversation about something that they both are interested in yes yeah so spider-man i mean that's what we talk about over here what's your background with spider-man i guess in general and then do you have a background with this show the 67 show so I come from a family where Batman is is king. Um, <laughs> so, Batman's um, good. I'm not gonna fight y'all. Oh man. yeah, he's good. <laughs> uh, so there's uh, Batman's king, and then there's always this weird thing about Spider Man. Like 
he has like all these great powers, but we just get upset a little bit sometimes that he just allows things to happen. <laughs> <laughs> like, how many people are you gonna let die? Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fair. You're killing, Fair. You're killing me, buddy. Uh, but I like Spider Man. Over the years, I've, I've grown a uh, more fondness for Spider Man. Uh, helped mainly by the movies and the video game. Video game is awesome. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. So. Uh, Sp- Spidey, Spidey's moved up on my list for sure. <laughs> nice. uh, never, never watched the '67. Definitely watched the '90s one. Um, I think that's the most uh, one I'm most familiar with. Uh, sure. And there was one on MTV or something. Oh like, yeah. Oh yeah. Yep, we've covered that. No, <laughs> we don't love it. Um, <laughs> it's an interesting show, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. There's plenty <laughs> to talk about. <laughs> um, but it, it. it uh... It's a weird one for sure. I had watched it for the first time when Derek and I talked about it, having no real familiarity with it, and it was uh, not. It, it, I don't think it aged well. It's not a great yeah. like first watch now in 2022. A lot of people have nostalgia <laughs> for that one because it you know, and it came it came out right after the Raimi movies, and it was interesting to see a CGI you know, looking Spider-Man on MTV of mm-hmm. all things. Like it was the odd, the oddness of it does make it unique in that way. But it is one that like I caution. I caught, if you have fond memories of it, I caution revisiting it because it might ruin those memories. Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I know, I know this is a Spider-Man podcast, but if, if Batman reigns in your, in your home, what is your favorite Batman cartoon movie, et cetera? Uh, oh, I mean, the nine, 90s Batman is, <laughs> is classic uh, viewing. Um, favorite movie? Obviously, you know, if we're talking like live, Dark Knight was good. But if we're talking like animated, uh, yeah. Mask of the Phantasm. Really good, man. Yeah. Yeah. Love Mask that of the Phantasm. It fe- yeah. I felt like ba- I feel like Bruce was like the most emotionally uh, heavy in that one. Like he was ready to give it up. And it was just mm. interesting watching him fight between the two and then how the movie ends. You know, mm. it's 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 good stuff. Yeah. yeah yeah kevin conroy man r.i.p but like oh for sure every there's is not an not an overhyped thing like everything that anyone's ever said about him is like true like one of the best if not the best for very good reason <laughs> absolutely yeah. yeah absolutely well let's uh let's start talking 1967 spider-man and 60 60s cartoons here um we've said it many many times this is not an easy show to find legally but it is an easy show to find if you just search a little bit on the internet um so if you would like to watch along you can certainly do that we found it so you can too uh this first segment we're talking about is spider-man 1967 uh season one episode 18 a uh, and it is called fountain of terror and here's Derek synopsis it's a crossover we've all been waiting for not lizard dr connor versus a craven knockoff versus ponce de leon <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> yep didn't see that one coming <laughs> yep yep the original air date for this one was january 6th 1968 so this is how the show um it's how the show welcomed the world into uh the new year of 1968 was with this <laughs> yeah starting it off right i guess <laughs> i don't know if i'd say that uh yeah uh we get a bunch of returning characters uh we get kurt connor mrs connor 
Billy Connor, because they had no S in their name in 1968, uh, and Clivenden, who is that Craven knockoff. Uh, they are all seemingly voiced by the same voice actors who did them the first time, uh, which is odd for this show because they've been kind of cycling through voice actors for characters. But it is cool that we get more continued characters. We've been seeing lots of folks return, which is pretty cool. Uh, Ponce de Leon doesn't speak, uh, so no voice actor there probably good because it would just be some dude doing a really bad like spanish accent i think yeah <laughs> so <laughs> and i don't know that we needed like a whole lot from the conquistador character in this show yeah yeah, yeah. he yeah. felt like a bit part anyway right mm-hmm. it was a weird addition very yeah. weird addition yeah absolutely so let's get into what happens in this first segment. It opens with Dr. Curtis Connor uh, going missing after discovering the Fountain of Youth and a Spanish conquistador, presumably kept alive by it. So Spider-Man travels to Florida to consult with Connor's wife and son. And when he searches for clues in Connor's lab, he finds Clivenden ransacking the lab. Thanks entirely to Billy Connor, Spidey ends up knocked the fuck out and Clivenden gets away. Right off the bat... Uh, it's so interesting to me that Peter Parker seemingly finds his his own way to Florida uh, when like every time in the early comics, it's like him convincing Jonah to send him in some wacky plan. It is kind of funny that they didn't take that route because he finds out about it from the Daily Bugle. And then it's just like, well, bye. My, I got to visit a friend. Mm-hmm. And then he just pieces yeah. out. Like, All right. <laughs> and it was so it was so easy how he just. Uh, yeah. My friend, he said, really? <laughs> like no no mention of anything before just abrupt like change of conversation like there's no cell phone so you didn't get a call yeah. like mm-hmm. what what is this yeah 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 <laughs> i could just tell my florida friend is sick right now <laughs> it was something about that opening too that was weird and it was mm-hmm. like you know when uh kurt commons like identifies the fountain the sword just like swings like right through like that's a perfect throw that's a saber yeah. <laughs> like yeah. It, the ability to throw that perfectly so it just stands right next to him is insane to me but i love that about like old school 1960 cartoons mm-hmm. that large objects accurately thrown like darts oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. i guess if ponce leone has just been alive since like what the 15th century or whatever he's had a lot of time to practice throwing his <laughs> his, his sword so perfecting <laughs> his sword tossing technique i guess <laughs> what else has he got to do he has clearly hasn't like uh you know been been uh checking out the newest technology or anything since he still dresses like a conquistador so what else has he got to do right now i guess <laughs> yeah i mean how frequently does he have to drink from the fountain is he not allowed to go like a certain distance oh. from it can he not like live <laughs> many questions that just do not get answered in this episode <laughs> none whatsoever no none. <laughs> not at all <laughs> Well, later Spider-Man finds a Spanish doubloon from the 1400s, and he also finds that Billy is trailing him. So after a couple of encounters with Clivenden involving quicksand, a web airboat, and several alligators, Spider-Man and Billy together arrive at the old fort where Connors is being kept by the suspiciously silent conquistador. While they crawl up the side of the fortress, Clivenden shouts at Connor from below. And so naturally, Clivenden and Spider-Man end up clashing once again. It, it is cool to see characters that have appeared in previous episodes separately unrelated to each other, like kind of um, showing back up again and like intersecting. Like, I know like stick for you, it doesn't matter because you haven't seen the episodes these characters appeared in and it doesn't like doesn't change anything when you watch this at all because it's not like they're picking up storylines or anything 
but it is kind of fascinating. Like it does make this episode feel kind of different Mm -hmm. from any other ones that we've watched just because it feels like there's a lot more variables than we're used to because it is Spider-Man defending a character that used to be a villain from another character that currently is a villain that have otherwise never interacted before. So I was going to ask too, like how heavy is the continuity in the show? It's getting more intertwined and continuous as we go through it. Mm, So we covered the first half of this season, like over a year ago, and there really wasn't any continuity in the first half of the season. The second half really seems to be dedicated to bringing villains back and bringing back minor characters in a way that I I definitely wasn't prepared for. Yeah. Um, it's 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 funny because like I remember, you know, we we're like this is the perfect show to have guests on for a because it's weird but also because like you can just drop in on any episode and it doesn't matter. <laughs> right. And then it's kind of proving us wrong a little bit because it's sort of like, well, there is actually a little bit of lore behind yeah. these characters that are reappearing. And it doesn't matter. They're never picking up like previous storylines or anything. So it still doesn't matter. Like it still is made for kids to drop in on, you know, when yeah. they're watching on Saturday mornings or whatever. But it is fascinating that they do. The fact that Spider-Man never explains, like, I met Dr. Connor when he was the lizard and then I cured him in a previous episode. They just kind of, you just kind of have to assume that you know who this guy is if, yeah. if you hadn't seen that episode. And I do think that that's kind of interesting. And I don't know that I would have ever expected from a show in 1967. Yeah, that makes sense, too. Well, the one unfortunate thing is that, like, Dr. Connor being here is fine. Uh, Like you said, Derek, they don't really explain who he is, but you, like, kind of pick up on it eventually. If you have familiarity with Spider-Man, you kind of have a decent chance of getting who he is. The unfortunate side of things is Cliveenden is original to this series, and I would not recommend anybody go back and watch his first appearance because that was, like, the first sort of, like, "Uh uh-oh, this cartoon was made in the 60s racist episode that we had to talk about. Right. Um, So, like, of all the characters to bring back, like, this is not one that I was thrilled to see. Yeah. That's an interesting thing. I want to ask y'all about this because, you know, I I like to call myself a cartoon connoisseur. Mm -hmm. How do you address that situation where, like, you go back to an old show, like, old cartoon that, you know, times were different, whatever. Um, how do you address the when things are cringeworthy today when watching? Yeah, I I am not of the mind that we should pretend they didn't happen because I don't think anybody's necessarily learning from them. But also, like sometimes the learning is simply just like that was racist, and we know we yeah. kind of know what racism is. You know, yeah. I think what really sort of informed how I think about it was I really wish I could remember what cartoons they were. I want to say, I'm not even going to guess cause I'm going to get it wrong, but I remember that Whoopi Goldberg specifically did like some sort of segment before some really old cartoons where she talked about like not hiding the fact that these things happened, but acknowledging that what the cartoons were doing and what the artists were doing is wrong now and was wrong then. And the only way we move forward is to like acknowledge that it was always wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I think that's kind of, I, I've just followed that lead. So like Derek and I talk about them mm-hmm. and we just call them like they are, which is just racist caricatures and, and, mm-hmm. and shitty things that the creators were doing, but we haven't run into anything yet that we felt like we couldn't talk about enough because it was like so bad. If that makes yeah. any sense. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I think too, like, I always try to find if it's worthy of not worthy, if if there's room for it being like a teaching moment too, because for this show, especially, I think it was like, 
the versions of racism that they had like it's kind of obvious but also like could be kind of hard to explain why it is to to certain people and i think like trying to figure out like why why did they maybe think this was okay in 1967 even though although it wasn't and what what were the contexts in which it was made and like what how why is this harmful and you know reading up on it like like oftentimes it's educational for myself because it's sort of like i know that this is bad but i'm not exactly sure the best way to explain it and then like sort of reading pieces and, and and essays and stuff that other people have written that are more knowledgeable about it um, and approaching it that way too. Cool. I like you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I will say thank like, you. thank you. Yeah. The, the one thing that gets tough is, is this is the show in particular, some of the eighties shows too, but this is the show in particular where we are most expecting to run into that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. also the only series where we always have guests. So there's always like a weird thing where it's like, Oh my gosh, like I think we're coming up on one of the racist segments. Like, how do we ask somebody to come and watch this and talk about it with us? You know right. what I mean? Cause you want to, you want to uh, not completely step in it and have people who are also comfortable and not going to feel like you, you sort of walked them into something shitty. <laughs> well, I like that too. I like that y'all do address it and you, do, you know, confront it, you know, and just call it out for what it is. Cause mm-hmm. unfortunately that's, that was just the quote unquote norm as, as far as like they just oh this is normal for us to put in here because everyone mm-hmm. thinks, or pe- there are people who think this way so it's okay um yeah. but yeah like i'm like y'all when i when i run across it usually i just i, I laugh and i'm like yo that is awful um <laughs> and, <laughs> and then i just i usually like get my wife I'm like yeah look at this and just tell me tell me what's wrong with it and she's like oh that that is that is bad. <laughs> yes it's not great um we have a laugh and i'm like i'm just glad things are different now we get uh we get shows that you know are more inclusive and and more open to things and i like that yeah absolutely you know what i'm not open to though what's that what hate billy oh billy is not enjoyable Uh, he has got to be one of the worst characters and listen i've watched a lot of cartoons billy's awful yeah it's i mean it's just that stereotypical it is like such a cliche like I mean, again, it's a cartoon that this came out at the beginning of 1968. So, like, I wasn't expecting them to, like, go meta or postmodern with it or anything. But it still is frustrating when you see, like, no one has ever liked the annoying child character that gets in the way of the superheroes battling. No one has ever liked that. And yet it constantly happens. Mm-hmm. And this is that 2AT of a kid who's like, but Spider-Man, I want to help you. And then he, like, keeps somehow saving the day over and over again. Just despite like not just being a child who's getting in the way, like it's really bizarre and, and it sucks, yeah. <laughs> but also not uncommon either. And just, it's just annoying. It's so straightforward and sincere too, that I just am like, Ugh. no kid wants to see a child on screen getting in the way of super heroics. And yet every TV writer and executive and producer up until like very recently thought that kids wanted that for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like the the only real example I have that I, I think people talk about as, I mean, there, it's definitely polarizing, but I think that I've heard people say like, I was glad to see a kid was Power Rangers when they had one kid team member. And I know that that is a super polarizing character and a super polarizing season, but there are people who are like, it kind of was cool to see like an actual kid get to be a Power Ranger. Not my favorite thing, I feel like people only started saying that later, much later, though. I think at the time, I don't know the sing- if a single person was standing up for Justin that season, <laughs> yeah. but I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember people loving that. I think people were really upset about that one. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you bring up a good point, though. I think the reason they put kids in these situations is because I assume that they want the kids watching like, oh, cool. I could probably run into Spider-Man or Batman or whoever, and, and I might be able to help them one day or whatever. But yeah, no, yeah. you'll do exactly what Billy does, and that's getting away. I counted the many ways that he messed up in this episode, and I just kept getting angrier. <laughs> I mean, I think that's what makes it suck, right? Like, yeah. Billy's here for one episode, so you don't get a whole lot of him. It's not like he has, like, a character that we're learning or developing or getting attached to. And then he's also screwing up a bunch. So, like, yeah. what's endearing about that? Yeah. There's also a lot of characters in this episode. Like, not a lot, a lot, but, like, for for a show like this, that's pretty, you know, it's an 11-minute story that's, you know, made on the cheap. It's kind of a lot of characters on screen between Spider-Man, Cliveenden, Connor, and even, like, Ponce de Leon to an extent. So throwing in Billy there who doesn't need to be there. Nothing that he does, Spider-Man couldn't have done on his own. Like the 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 good things that he does, or good as in like the con- contributions I guess he makes are rescuing his dad, which is just unlocking the door, which Spider-Man would have done on his own anyway, and then like running into the cannon and knocking it, which I I feel like oh Spider-Man could have that one, I don't even understand how that worked, to be honest. Like, I feel like Spider-Man could have stopped it. But also, how did Billy stop that cannon from firing off by shoving it? I don't know. So the stuff that he does, what the contributions he makes didn't even really matter that much or don't make sense because he was forced into it. Yeah, they're, they're uh, oh, man. Um, <laughs> that cannon thing really annoyed me, too, because, like, at least one or two things should have happened. One, he should be deaf. Or two... His hand should at least be like ringing, hurting. Like yeah. he just—he's also how old is he? Like eight or something? How Who knows? How did he lift <laughs> this? That's my I'm question. Right. I don't understand. How does that work? Yeah. When I saw him running, I don't. I, I don't know if you even talked about this when you're going through the summary, Doug. But we're here. Like, yeah, when, we're here. Let's do it. <laughs> when he was running, when when Billy's like, oh no, when he was running towards the cannon as it was going off, there was a second, and I know that it's stupid to think this because it was a, the Spider-Man cartoon, 1968. But there's a point where I was just like wait oh my god is he gonna get hit by a cannon like is that what's gonna happen and it's gonna be and this is gonna be like yo he's gonna i'm sure i was like he's not gonna die but like maybe he'll get knocked out by it and then that's how spider-man gets enraged and it's a more climactic fight with cliveenden or whatever like i really think because he's just running at the head to the head of a cannon that is in the midst of firing off and somehow with his super child strength pushes it up so it doesn't hurt anybody bizarre <laughs> yeah i mean there is a history of like putting billy in danger or you know connor's kid in danger this this doesn't really this doesn't do that yeah. <laughs> he's just gonna put some himself in the way <laughs> yeah so i mean the cliven did spider-man fight and it does end up with a bunch of weird stuff happening most of which we've kind of already mentioned billy is the one who frees his dad because the two are fighting and so there's they're distracted and there's a cannon like you said so this this conquistador person uh lights a cannon billy like you said stick like lifts it somehow and is not affected not burned not knocked down (laughs) not deafened no repercussions for this whatsoever um and then the cannon ball ends up firing off and hitting the fountain of youth and Juan Ponce de Leon as they assume it is uh sort of walks off sad and presumably dies because he doesn't have his fountain of youth anymore which I don't understand how 
a cannon firing into like a pool of water destroys it but okay <laughs> it's like it seemed like it was still there like i don't i don't know what the problem was did it need to be constantly like circulating within a fountain to remain magically youthful is that how that works <laughs> i don't know that cannonball exploded though yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that was a different type of cannonball for sure yeah <laughs> and then he just scurries away though like there's no yeah there's no like, oh, he's captured or no, there's nothing. He just, he just scurries away. Yeah. He runs into the swamp, like r- runs panicked into the swamp. And that's the last we will, I'm sure, ever see of him. Oh, 100%. <laughs> because there's no reason for him to even really be there. And there's no reason really for them to even call him Juan Ponce de Leon, except for the fact that he's attached to that sort of story. Um, and they want to make a joke about it at the end. Like, no one follows him. This would be, like, massive. You know, like, <laughs> Connor is studying the Fountain of Youth and and just doesn't seem to care that this guy walks off. <laughs> yeah. The joke, by the way, like, my friend is a severe case of Ponce de Leon, is what Betty says. Is the joke that they're just saying it sounds like an illness, which it doesn't? Or is there something that I'm missing? Is it a pun somehow that I don't understand? I don't, I don't know the pun if there is one. <laughs> I don't know if there is one either. Yeah, maybe they just think that they're not smart enough to know who it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jameson doesn't feel all that cultured, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's it's a bummer because Betty often or sometimes, uh, you know, the percentage is is changing rapidly, but sometimes gets like really good quips at the end. Like she often gets to be like the one who like punctuates the episode with like a nice jab at uh, at Jameson, and this isn't one of them. No. <laughs> this is not one of them. So how how uh, how did this first segment <laughs> catch you, Stick? Watching this for the first time. <laughs> so fortunately, I, I like I like the campiness, like sixty cartoons. Mm-hmm. Um, from a just enjoyment of watching it, I had a great time. Yeah, awesome. Unfortunately, yeah. I also have a problem with like logistics, and so, <laughs> and so there were so many things. I was like, "Yo, this doesn't that, that doesn't make sense. Like, what's going on?" Uh, like, for example, Spider-Man told Billy to stay back. And then Spider-Man apparently goes deep within the swamp. How did Billy catch up with him? <laughs> Billy yeah. has a car. Billy has nothing. It's not like Spider-Man has a car that he can just hop in a trunk to. Like, like how did he get <laughs> That's here? Good point. <laughs> like, That's a really good point. I mean, I don't know. Maybe kids who live in Florida are just it's just so ex just have the are just experts in navigating the swamps that they live near. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> Is that how that works? Sure. <laughs> it, it Look, was, I'm trying. I'm reaching. It was so interesting. The one thing I did take away from the episode, and then you know, after watching both episodes, though, is that this might be the most talented Spider-Man ever. Oh yeah. He like, made a fan boat out of his weapon. Whole ass fan boat. I was like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> <laughs> that might—he's made a lot of wild web constructs. That—that that might be the most complex and like bizarre one that he has made in this show to this point. I feel like I don't know if you would disagree with me, Doug, but I can't think of anything that is less complex than a, making an entire fan boat that works mechanically. Yeah, no, I would agree for sure. It's certainly the largest thing he's made. It's certainly the most complex machine he's made. <laughs> it's like a fully functional boat. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Like immediately, too. Like just a quick yeah. tap and he's gone. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things about this Spider-Man is that apparently his web 
is just it, it could be anything it could be anything it doesn't need to follow any laws of physics whatsoever uh the consistency of it who knows <laughs> like it's just it is whatever he needs it to be i have a question for you all this is purely like headcanon territory because there's no answer within the show uh-huh. um so like ponce de leon sees dr connor discover his fountain of youth and obviously once that secret kept and then he's just like keeping him in his tower but he's still like feeding him and like more or less taking care of him as a prisoner up there like what's the end game there he just plans to keep connor there just forever or like because that seems like i don't know a lot of work like not that i want him to just kill dr connor but it's weird that he wouldn't i guess like i don't know i mean it just seems like what it's typical villain behavior i guess like, so yeah. I, could, yeah, I could easily just kill you but no i'm, I'm gonna help you yeah <laughs> i'm gonna feed just- you I think it's what's so funny about it is because it's not like he was like in shackles or anything. He was just like he was like a princess in a tower, like basically yeah. like well taken care of that. You know, that little meal of roasted chicken he was leaving him looked pretty nice. Like I, he seemed like he was doing fine other than, you know, the prisoner part. So, <laughs> I mean, what if uh, Ponce de Leon, after 450 years of, of you know, eternal youth, is just lonely and needs a friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it just true. so happens to work out for him that kidnapping the only other person to know of his secret, you know, walks right in uh, as he starts to get lonely enough to, to kidnap somebody. I like that. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that. I think that's nice. I just, yeah, just wanted to hang out. So actually Billy is the real villain of the story then by destroying that fountain of youth and killing Ponce Leon, who really wasn't doing anything wrong. He was just trying to, to make a new friend. Cool. That's in my, that's in my notes right there. Actually, <laughs> Billy, Billy's the villain. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, I think yeah. if you got this from from uh, Ponce de Leon's perspective, it'd be a very different story. I mean, far be it for me to to you know sympathize with the conquistador <laughs> but in this very specific instance he seems yeah. like he's just minding his own business maybe he reflected over 400 years 450 yeah. years and was like you know what maybe i should yeah. just chill <laughs> conquistadors famously nice and kind people uh-huh. who never bother anyone yeah. and never get involved with anyone else's business <laughs> exactly <laughs> leaving everything alone yeah that's what they do yeah totally that's what they're good at uh-huh. <laughs> The only other note I had from this one is I really like the uh, exchange when Spider-Man, uh, you know, bursts into Connor's lab where Cliveenden is ransacking it. Um, and, you know, Cliveenden's like, Spider-Man. And Spider-Man says, you were expecting Count Dracula? <laughs> Makes no sense, but sure. I'm here for it. It's fun. <laughs> I want a pop, pop culture reference just for no reason. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. mean, expecting Dracula as much as I was expecting Cliveenden, random character from the Thanks. 60s to return. <laughs> It's fair. Yep. What I love about that scene, Clivenden in the lab, is like Clivenden is trying to figure out what Dr. Connor is down there discovering. So there must mm-hmm. be something, you know, something on the wind of like Dr. Connor making some discovery or on the verge of making some discovery. And it is the fountain of youth, which is presumably magic water, right? Mm-hmm. And Clivenden is just finding water samples in the lab and just like trashing the lab, being like, it's just fucking water. <laughs> and it like is probably. It might be magic. <laughs> Doesn't even cross his mind. That's the funny part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And how would he even like really know what it's what it's just because it's not like he's a, he's not a scientist as far as we know. Like, is he actually testing it or is he just looking at it saying this looks like water and then dumping it out? Mm-hmm. Because it clearly isn't like he clearly didn't do any tests because we see that it works on a plant like right below him. So <laughs> what are you doing, yeah. dude? He's really bad at his job. Craven would have nailed this. He's such yeah. a terrible Craven. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Craven would have smelled the difference in the water. I smell mm-hmm. magic in this water. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> One last thing, though, and yeah. it might be yes. just a uh, I might not be used to it, but um, I do appreciate that there's a different it's the same voice actor, but I do appreciate the different voices between Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Yes, I really I, is... I noticed that immediately. I was like, wow, that's good. Even if it's just yeah. him, like he's talking through the, the, the mask or whatever. And that's why it's a little bit deeper. I appreciate that that change of voice. I like this because this has come up a number of times with guests and Derek and I obviously talked about this because we talk about every iteration of cartoon Spider-Man. And I mean, at this point, all the movie ones too, but the fact that so many people are noting this voice change, I think only speaks to how strange it is that this show does it. And like no other show does like, it is a very notable performance. Yeah. Any other Spider-Man show, there's no change. And it is, it really is just so fun. We've said this on a bunch of episodes at this point, but I think it's, it's always like such a fascinating point that like this never, this, that, that aspect does not carry over into any other Spider-Man iteration in any cartoon or movie. He always is just sounds like Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. And it is just so weird that this show made that choice, which I, I think makes a lot of sense and it's ingenious and other, you know, certain Batman iterations definitely do the voice change thing. Mm. Um, So it's just funny that with Spider-Man, it's just like, nah, he's just always going to sound like Peter Parker. We're not going to carry that over, even though he does a really good, like, I think it works really well for this show. So Mm. it's just Mm -hmm. strange that like that, that didn't ever carry over after this one. Well, I don't necessarily have a face of the episode per se, Mm -hmm. just a favorite frame. Uh, It's so good though. (laughs) Because there's a moment where Spider-Man's talking to Mrs. Connor and Billy is sitting on him with a couch. And this show is not necessarily great at scenes and backgrounds. I mean, just last week, you know, we had we had Shadia Amin on talking about how horrendous the backgrounds are. This, however, kind of art. Kind of a work of art. <laughs> the posing, the backgrounds, the shading, the composition. It's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> that is that's actually nice. They live all right. Right? 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 Those like really elaborate <laughs> frames that the golden frames that they have in the background. Yeah. A little yeah. shade lounge over there. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> I usually associate Connor or Connors as a guy who's like down on his luck and kind of in a bad place most of the time. But like, you're right. They seem to be doing okay. (laughs) Color scheme's a little off, but we can, we can work with it. Yeah. 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 (laughs) It was the sixties, you know, a little bit of wallpaper (laughs) (laughs) or take the wallpaper off. Probably more accurately. Probably. 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 (laughs) Well, let's get into the second segment. This is uh, Spider-Man 1967 season one, episode 18 B fiddler on the loose and just from the top Derek yeah you sold me 
a new 1967 villain, and I got so excited. <laughs> I knew you were going to be disappointed. Don't worry. That's I'm so I, disappointed. I thought it was. I, I was. I'm sorry. That I was. I was. That was a mean thing of me. I was setting you up for failure because I knew you're going to not be into this villain at this, all. This <laughs> this show stick introduces a bunch of villains that we never see in comics in any other show. They are like exclusively locked inside this particular show, and they're kind of fun for that reason, but also because they're not iconic really they just are a villain with like one weird power like one guy controls wax uh one is just like a lady who owns a bookstore who somehow came across pandora's box like they're just these weird characters uh and so i was so excited for a new one and this guy kind of sucks but we'll talk all about it so (laughs) (laughs) the synopsis Derek's synopsis for this one is spidey learns that classical music is just as dangerous as rock and roll yep Yeah, of course. It was the swinging sixties. Yep, <laughs> yep. Obviously, this aired on the same day as the last segment, and the characters we get here are the fiddler, who is named Otto, which wow. I take great Rude. issue with. Rude, Rude. <laughs> in a Spider-Man property, and a property that has Otto Octavius, aka Doctor Ock, in the show multiple times, naming this minor character who sucks Otto is an affront. Yeah, terrible. (laughs) Um, But he is voiced by Paul Klegman, who is our J. Jonah Jameson, so we know him very well. We also get this character, Cyrus Flintridge III, who is voiced by J. Frank Willis, who we've never talked about before, uh, probably because he's not really an actor. So Willis was a Canadian news radio broadcaster, and I found one place that said, familiar to radio listeners across Canada for his poetry readings. Wow. Which I think is great. Yeah. (laughs) I appreciate that. I'm going to see if there are any recordings. (laughs) (laughs) That's so fun. Yeah. But he's really not an actor. This is like one of his two maybe proper acting credits. Uh, Mm. He was on the series Seaway, which was just like a really expensive, popular Canadian drama that lots of people guessed it on. So yeah, uh, including people on the show. So not really a surprise he ended up on there. I'd love to know how the the conversation went to get him on Spider-Man 1967. Hey, we heard your work uh, reading poetry. Can you voice this random uh, CEO? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Why not? Very strange. I mean, it's cool. It's cool that they got him. I mean, I think he's pretty good in this episode for what he has to do. So mm-hmm. yeah. it's cool. It fits. Doug, you know, we've met Mr. Flintridge before, right? I thought so. But he does like not a look. He's a completely different character design, right? Yeah. I mean, completely different character really in general. So he was in the... Spider and the fly segment. He's a dude that has like the super angular face. Like he yeah. still has white hair, but he looks much younger, younger looking. Yeah. He, I mean, he's a gro- he was like a grotesque looking design in that. And he was just like the rich dude who lives in a hotel who didn't put his money in any banks. And that's yeah. all we got to know about him. And he looked really mean and uh, ugly basically. And they like fully, they basically just use his name and he's still a rich guy, but it's pretty much a totally different character. Like he's a, just a nice, pleasant kind of cool old rich guy um i mean i guess we didn't really get to know the previous flint ridge at all so like i guess it doesn't it, you could assume it's the same character but like basically isn't like it's mostly an only yeah. in name only and the fact that they're both rich yeah very they weird. just used the same character name twice yeah yeah he weird. was he was in an episode previously where he was like one of a few rich people that these thieves ex- seemingly exclusively stole from so we were kind of on their side but he seems okay in this one <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. Very so weird. So he's here too. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, this segment opens with Spider-Man peeping on J. Jonah Jameson as he begrudgingly attends a private preview of a hip new band named the Squawkers. Terrible uh, band name. I'm sorry. Horrendous. I'm okay band with name. it. I think Hate it's okay. It. So bad. <laughs> the Squawkers. I mean, it could be better, but I don't know. There's like <laughs> squawking and singing and rock and roll. I, I kind of get it. I don't want to listen to a band that squawks. I'm <laughs> <laughs> They're 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 an opening act at best. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look when they just they disappear and then we never see them again. They could be dead by the end of the. They probably overall, are. You know, honestly. So that was one of my main questions. Yep. Yeah. I just for sure they're dead. Yeah, I think they're dead too. I I think they just have the wrong name for what they do. Like, I don't think this sort of like '60s rock and roll band should be called the Squawkers, but like they do feel like a ska band I would have seen in high school, like on a lineup that I paid like 15 bucks to see. You know? I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're watching the Squawkers, and he's watching with the manager and promoter Cyrus Flintridge the third. Uh, very shortly after Spider-Man arrives, though, a mysterious figure uses a fiddle to shoot a sonic beam at the performers, making them disappear. And like you said, Derek, we never see them again. So maybe they didn't disappear. Maybe they just died. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I like, you know, Spider-Man witnesses this and he says, that was no ordinary sonic blast. It was aimed like as opposed like, to that's the, or- the thing that was weird about it not the fact that it either killed or made them disappear right and not the fact that like that apparently he just sees random sonic blasts willy-nilly all the time that just are never aimed that's just you know your normal weather in new york it rains <laughs> it snows it's it, there's just sonic blasts but as long as they aren't aimed that's 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 how you know you're fine yeah <laughs> nice. i think it's also nice. i think it's also funny that he said that and it immediately got hit with it Mm-hmm. Like, yeah like, like sorry you, like you just said that it's aimed and you didn't watch it and get hit like what <laughs> right should you this, be like looking out for this if you don't know where it's coming from <laughs> this spider-man does not have like the helpful spider sense he has the like s- like weak radar spider sense uh and it's just proven time and time again because he got hit with a boomerang in the last segment got hit by a sonic beam that he knew was coming in this one <laughs> yeah not, not great <laughs> not, not great, great. Also, he doesn't disappear, nor does he die. So I don't know. Look, the the, the violin sonic blasts are very, it's very inconsistent. I'm assuming, giving the show a lot of credit, I'm assuming that there's like different power settings depending on the how the fiddler plays his fiddle. Sometimes they're like death rays. Sometimes they're teleportation rays. Sometimes they're stun rays. Just depends on like how hard he's playing his fiddle, I think. Hmm. There you hmm. go. I solved it. <laughs> I do. I feel like this is something we should revisit. But I haven't sure. thought enough about it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so so one of these various settings on the fiddle knocks Spider-Man off the building. Uh, and so he investigates where it came from. And he doesn't find this fiddler character. He just finds a copy of Beethoven's Fifth, which he considers a clue. I don't even know that they ever really follow up on that. There's a lot in this episode they don't follow up on now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, I think it's he, just the clue that the that it is a guy because he doesn't know that it's guy. a dude playing music. It's just yeah. like, oh, classic music, which, again, very funny that this dude was just in an empty room shooting his beams and then somehow just dropped some sheet music on the floor before he left and didn't notice. Why did he have that with like, did he was he playing Beethoven's Fifth to shoot his rays in the first place? Is that why he had it? I don't know. <laughs> and not to like gatekeep being a classical music uh fiddler but like okay where's if, this going <laughs> if if you're like really good do you need the sheet music to play beethoven's fifth that's a fair point <laughs> that's a fair point 
it's not really yeah. an obscure piece of music. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a thing that you learn like in your earliest fiddling lessons, I'd imagine. <laughs> yeah. Sloppy. Sloppy fiddler. Sloppy. <laughs> Can you even play Beethoven's fifth on a fiddle? I don't yeah. really know music very well, but like a fiddle is a very specific instrument, I feel like. I is, don't know. <laughs> fiddles and violins are different, right? They're not just the same thing. Or are they just the same thing played differently? I, th- I thought that, oh, oh, I don't know. I think, th- I thought that they're different instruments, but I could be wrong. I don't know. I have no idea. Clearly, I am not in the category of, of classical music fiddler player, fiddle yeah, you're players. Gate, gatekeeping, <laughs> gatekeeping classical music and even know what a fiddle is necessarily. I played the bassoon. Thank you very much. <laughs> Google says, Google says that there isn't a physical difference between a fiddle and a violin, mm, but okay. it's simply the style of music that are that they are used to play. Oh, so it's Got not it. even necessarily like the way you play it; it's like what you play. Yeah. I had no idea. That's huh. fascinating. Okay, Interesting. Cool. All right. All right. So All right. classy. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the deal with this episode: some old guy named the Fiddler is pissed that Flint Ridge is promoting the rock and roll boom. In fact, he he says Flint Ridge is like responsible for it. So in this world, Flint Ridge is the one who stole rock and roll and sold it to the world. So the fiddler is attempting to blackmail Flint Ridge for $100,000. It's weird they use the word blackmail because there is no blackmail involved. He's just yeah. threatening him. It's a ransom. Right? It's a ransom yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> and so Flint Ridge is like, I know exactly who to go to. The most powerful man in New York City, J. Jonah Jameson. So Jameson's like, I know who to go to, the most powerful man in New York, Peter Parker, uh, (laughs) and asks Peter Parker to follow up and figure out what's going on because Jameson's like, we don't have to pay that guy anything. We'll just trick him into think he's getting paid and then Peter will take a picture. But of course, Peter takes a picture with a camera that has a really obvious flash. So the fiddler knows he's had his picture taken and Peter's like, crap, I just gave away my spot and realizes like now i have to protect flint ridge so he goes back to flint ridges and they fight yep great plan <laughs> very yeah sure well going, going <laughs> to jonah for a plan was already just not a great idea yeah i feel like this isn't a thing that if it's in like if it's in a tv show or a movie it's not gonna work right like you know it's not gonna go well yeah i guess he doesn't know he's in a tv show <laughs> right I guess not yeah yeah fair <laughs> also i would like to know what a hundred thousand dollars is today in that money Because I just feel like that's low. It does feel low even for this show. I feel like the number is usually like half a million to a million bucks. At least a On this show. Hmm. Unless I'm thinking of the 80s show. Hmm. It's got to be a lot in in today money, right? I would assume so. Equivalent in purchasing power to about $856,000. Holy shit. Okay. (laughs) So he started at almost a million bucks. Okay. Inflation is crazy. It's bad. I cannot it's... believe it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not great. Let's talk wow. about it. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's real bad. Good Lord. Okay. Well, more than I thought then. Yeah. <laughs> mad, mad respect to him now. Mad respect. Yeah. Sure. It's, it's, it's a, that's not a bad amount then, buddy. Damn, <laughs> You're okay. Wow. <laughs> Was not expecting that. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah. <laughs> Kind of ups the stakes a little bit, I would think. Yeah, yeah. kind of does. Kind of does. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because here's the thing. So this plan fails because Fiddler knows that they're they're now on to him, and they and he knows there's a picture out there. And so basically, he's like, "All right, now I want half a million dollars." Which now that I think about it, means it's what eight hundred fifty times five. Like <laughs> he's 
really, really upping the ante here. And like half a million dollars today would have been a lot, but like, yeah. holy crap. Yeah. So stakes are really, really high. And it, it kind of makes sense. Well, actually, it makes less sense because Jonah's like, you know what? I guess you just got to pay the guy now. There's <laughs> nothing we could do. You just got to pay him. <laughs> he, he has yeah. one plan and that's it. After that, he yeah. steps out. Yeah, thanks. Sending the freelance photographer teenager to to, to to take a photo really didn't work out. So all out ideas now. That was my best one. It is kind of his like one move. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like monster shadows attacking the city. Hey Peter, can you go check it out? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. I feel like I get the impression that. J. Jonah Jameson and Flint Ridge. One thing I like is that like they're friends in this and we've never seen J. Jonah Jameson have friends. Like there's no reason that they're hanging out other than they're probably both like rich. in a similar. Yeah, they're both rich. I think is the only reason that they're friends, but otherwise they like have nothing in common. It seems like like Jonah is absolutely miserable when he's at that rock and roll concert and Flint Ridge is like groovy, baby. This is cool. Um, <laughs> but I kind of, but, but I feel like that means that JJ probably doesn't really like Flint Ridge that much. So I feel like, you know, He's like, he understands, you know, how much, how bad it is to lose money because he loves his money, but also like, he doesn't care enough to really be that invested in this. So it's just like, oh, let's, uh, let's try. Yeah. Right. So it's like, oh, let's try this. Oh, it didn't work. Okay. Well, um, you're kind of annoying me now by complaining and crying so much. So why don't you just pay it and get out of my hair, dude? You're, <laughs> I don't really care that much. <laughs> I love this reading. Yeah. It's just, just true. Just true. Fairweather friend here. with Jonah. <laughs> There's probably a weird competitiveness there too, right? Like there's probably something satisfying to Jonah about like, oh, this guy's about to really eat it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I can see him being a, the friend that's like, you know, what can you do for me because you are rich? But like, other than that, we never hang out at all. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. He just gives off that vibe. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jameson's plan is just for Flint Ridge to pay the money. So it's up to Peter to come up with a plan. And his plan is questionable because (laughs) his whole thing is, all right, I will dress up like Spider-Man. I will pretend to be the one who is terrorizing Flint Ridge and take the money from him so that he will leave and call the police, which feels like he's doing a lot. Like he doesn't need to do all that. I, I don't think. No, no, he could just follow a hit Flint Ridge, go with Flint Ridge there and then web up the fiddler when they get there. Like, that's basically all he ends up doing anyway. And I also don't understand it because I'm assuming the fiddler gave Flint Ridge like a time that he had to give the money. So how did Spider-Man get there like early if Flint Ridge wasn't getting there early? And then how did the fiddler not know that that was happening and Spider-Man was standing in for him? Like, it doesn't really make sense. Yeah. <laughs> It was a lot. It was a lot of assumptions being made, and yeah, uh, yeah. It it didn't make too much sense to me. And like when I was no. watching it, I was like, "Oh, okay, right." And right. I was like, "Oh, well, it worked out." But what a plan! Yeah, it's a yeah. really results oriented way of writing the solution, right? Like you said, like it works out. So like maybe they won't think about it, <laughs> but we're thinking yeah. about it. <laughs> I was mostly just confused when it ha- I just thought I missed something when I watched it the first time. I was just like, I don't understand how this was a plan at all, but I guess it worked and I'll figure out what I missed when I watched it a second time. And then I watched it a second time and it's like, oh no, that literally was the plan. He just got there early and took the money instead. Well, and that changed nothing really. Because <laughs> it relies on a few things that are never communicated to characters in the show or to us. Uh, one yeah. of which is Spider-Man doesn't give Flintridge any instructions because he is pretending to be a bad guy. 
And also, Spider-Man is kind of relying on getting there at exactly the time when the Fiddler would, because the Fiddler sees Flint Ridge leaving and is like, ah, okay, I guess I should go inside because the money is there. Yeah, but he has to get there like early enough to not be spotted by the Fiddler or anything. (laughs) To tip him off. Right. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, very convenient. A a lot of mental gymnastics for this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Un- and again, unnecessarily, the fiddler's not that strong. He just has a fiddle that Spider-Man would just need to knock out of his hands. Like this, sh- this is yeah. not require a complicated plan. Okay, <laughs> I think this is where we talk about the fiddler because this fight is very underwhelming, which I think makes a lot of sense when you put it like that, Derek. Like he's just a guy with a fiddle that for some reason has powers. Like he is just an old guy. He does not seemingly yeah. have powers. Yeah. So, like, what is the fiddle? How does it work? Is it magic? Is it something he invented? I would really like to know more about the fiddle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Actually, here, can I say something for production-wise? Please. Because there's some concept art that's in the um, the behind-the-scenes book that I have that I cite all the time on this podcast. And I actually kind of wish that this was the direction they went in because the original concept art, the first time they come up with it, the Fiddler was drawn as like a really tiny little cute, weak looking old man. Like, like mm-hmm. he's balding has a little mustache. He's hunched over very clearly like, like an elderly man. And I think that I would like the idea if it was like, if they really doubled down on the fact that this is literally just a little old dude with, <laughs> with a magic fiddle and did not even try to make him really formidable. But the challenge is just Spider-Man just like trying to figure out how to stop this guy without just like punching a, a senior citizen in the face, you yeah. know, um, or, or at least would make him more endearing just to be like on the opposite end. Like, wow, I can't believe this like sweet old man, like gave Spider-Man a run for his money. And instead, like they kind of split the difference down the middle and make him like, you know, a, a less way less cute, just kind of like an ugly, ugly Beethoven looking dude. Yeah. And uh, but he's also like a little he's like too formidable, but also not formidable at all at the same time. And it's just not an interesting battle. Like, I feel like they could have made him like way too strong for for what he is, uh, you know, and, and the power is how unexpected it is that an old man could be that skilled or make him not strong at all and make it kind of a joke. And like they don't do either. They go the most boring route with him. You're going to make me like the idea of the fiddler. Yeah. Even though I, I don't if, like the fiddler. <laughs> if we if we if you if he's reinvented and introduced in the comics now with a little more of like a high concept spin to him, I think we could make him work and he could be a cute fun little supervillain. Okay, here's a question for both of you. Okay. In that scenario where he's reinvented as a better character, is the vi- or is the fiddle magic or is the fiddle something he created? I feel like it will be created by like Doc Ock or something. Oh, oh, interesting. Okay. Somebody else is involved. Got got the fiddle and like, it's like, because Doc Ock is going to use him for a larger plot. Like the dude just wants to like, you know, he wants to bring back classical music, but Doc Ock's uh, plan is way more simple. <laughs> oh yeah, like, he's a piece like he's in a like, master plan, if you will. Like he's getting like manipulated by bigger villains because he's so you know hammer focused in like so laser focused into you know the music side that it's just like well if you help me bring back music I'll do whatever you say criminal mastermind. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want yeah. him to be called the boom boomer the fiddler. I want him to be called that. <laughs> I want it. This is what this episode is about. These yeah. kids and their blasted new music. This is all this is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. oh, for sure. 
I was just thinking, like, what's the music he's railing against now? Is it Nightcore or is that too old? (laughs) (laughs) What does he hate in 2022? What music? (laughs) Oh, man. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's still, it's whatever is considered pop music. Because I feel like what's considered pop music changes from generation to generation. For sure. Whatever is the top 40, you know. It's just, and and that's always what the previous generation is railing against. God, you could write such a funny comic with that particular thing in mind, if you pretended that the the fiddler was kind of always there, always railing against whatever the new pop music was, like you could do <laughs> hilarious shit with that. He's just always that. lurking in the background of every comic. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like who is this old dude that just keeps yelling about rap music? Yeah. Oh, you know who he would be a perfect villain for is a uh, freaking ghost spider because she's in a freaking rock band. Oh, oh yeah. That oh, would that's be perfect. Such a great idea. I love that. Ooh, and she's yeah. a drummer, no less. So she's like, she's like yeah. the one he would hate the most. I guess maybe oh. an electric guitarist he'd hate more. But yeah. Oh, that rolls. Oh, that'd be so funny. Oh, write this comic, Doug. Write All right, sure. Have write yeah. comic. Got, got to do <laughs> it now. Yeah. Yeah. I'll add it to my list. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, the fight is underwhelming, as we have come to expect with this show. Uh, we we see there's like 90 seconds left, so you can assume Spider-Man's going to web up the villain no problem. He does, uh, and he leaves a note, as he is wont to do. Uh, it says, the villainist violinist captured by your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, which I feel like started off pretty strong and then really fizzled out after three words. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it does end with Jameson shitting on rock and roll as well, uh, when he accidentally tells Betty to put on a, a record he thinks is classical. Uh, he thought it said symphony, but she says it does, Mr. Jameson, uh, a sonic symphony for the world of tomorrow, <laughs> uh-huh. which sounds and like squ- rock and roll to me. <laughs> yeah. And the squawkers are just like dead now, I guess. Yeah. They just <laughs> what happened to the squawkers? <laughs> that's where that's where the comic I'm writing starts is the squawkers just reappear after 60 years uh and that's the catalyst somehow i'm not sure wow. how but that's that's where we're starting okay I'm sure with, yeah <laughs> yeah one thing i do like i i like flintridge as a character i think he's really fun and especially because like when he confronts uh the fiddler after spider-man webs him up and you know the fiddler's like railing against how flintridge is like supporting rock and roll music and stuff like that flintridge is just like dude i like classical music too like i fund i fund these rock bands and i also fund like um i also fund like the orchestra too like he's like he supports like all kinds of music and i actually kind of feel like that's a pretty a lot more of like kind of a forward thinking stance and nuanced stance than I expected this show to have where it's just like, you don't have to take one side or the other. Like people can like two different kinds of music that are very different. Like that's not like, it seems like kind of basic, but I feel like especially a show like this, where it is just about the disparity between young people music and old people music. And he's just this old guy. That's just like, I like it all. I think it's all great. Like, I think that's really cool actually. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, I think that was the point of like, the char- like that dude always he just seemed eccentric in the first place just from the beginning mm-hmm. of the episode and i think that was the point they were trying to prove like you know just you know showing the difference between him and jonah and him and the classical the uh fiddler is that you know you can like everything it's just just because it's, you don't have to confine yourself into one box yeah it is interesting seeing something like that in its context right in the context of the 1960s or, or almost 1970s because like now that feels like something 
that is like the standard sort of answer when it comes to like media is like, yeah, there's so much media. You can kind of like whatever. And it's not that weird for someone to say like, oh, I listen to everything. But I, I yeah, it, it feels especially significant <laughs> in the late 60s. For sure. Especially when this show doesn't necessarily treat like young people uh well <laughs> like, there's a lot of like complaining about young people anything that's sort of like counterculture uh is sort of like a joke in the show so yeah it is pretty cool how does this one stack up against the first segment better worse what do we think <laughs> it was funnier yeah it was funny. <laughs> I, so. I, I wasn't angry <laughs> <laughs> yeah there was no child fucking everything up constantly seriously yeah i think just trying to see a spider-man show tackle like music is is just kind of fun and the fiddler even though he's not a good well-executed villain at all i I think he kind of sucks it is at least like a fun idea for a villain and just in that theme i guess um and i kind of prefer that to i don't know the the first segment almost like doesn't even feel like it's out of the show like it feels like more of a like a johnny quest episode or something and this episode weirdly does feel more like this show in terms of it's just Spider-Man and Spider-Man characters dealing with a weird ass villain plot, basically. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. No, I think it makes sense for sure. Now, was it funny enough for you to laugh like Peter Parker does uh, <laughs> in this episode? Oh my God. Oh <laughs> Cause my God. I grabbed a, a screenshot of his face when he's laughing. Yeah. And have we used this? Have we seen no, this? I've never this seen this horrifying. before. It's a bizarre face that they draw on him. Why does he have so many wrinkles on his face? He's like 16. I don't understand. <laughs> he's laughing so hard. His face is falling apart. And it's not even funny what he's, what he's looking like. He wasn't even, it wasn't really even really that funny. It was just Jameson, like giving him an idea to, to, to be Spider-Man and intercept the ransom payment. Like it wasn't a funny, like this shouldn't be a laughing face. I, it, I think it's supposed to be like a thinking face. Really? It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> this, this still has like mean potential. Oh yeah. It does. Like, it really it, does. I'm surprised we haven't seen it like yet. Yeah. Like, th- th- this is all time mean potential. You yeah. know what this feels like? This feels like the kind of thing that somebody would do a hyper realistic, like digital painting of oh, like, <laughs> Like, just as, like, absolutely cursed internet garbage. <laughs> now, you said Peter Parker's 16 in this? I mean... I don't know if it's ever super it's, duper clear. It's never clear. They call him a teenager all the time, so he could be, you know, up up to 19 or whatever. In, in the first season, we've never seen him, like, in school. I think we do in future seasons, so I do think that they do establish that he is a high school student in future seasons, I think. Or maybe he's a college student in future ones. I don't know. But... He, so it's not clear, um, but I'm just going by him being called a teenager all the time throughout the show and this kind of riffing more on early comics if they riff on anything. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I was wondering how old he was. He looks like a grown ass man. I'm going to be honest. Yep. yep. Looks and sounds like a grown ass man. Yep. <laughs> no, no matter what, he's drawn and performed as if he was way older than he actually is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> Well, any closing reflections on this show now that you've uh, you've seen it? You know, it's one of those things where I'm like, if I run across this again, like if I if I get bored one day and do Google search, I want to just be like, let me watch some campy 1967 Spider Man mm-hmm. because it's I love I, I just like I, said, I love those cartoons, man. Because like you can really just turn your brain off and just be like, this is just fun. You can tell yeah. you can tell this was like during the era where we're building, you know, we're making these because we want kids to buy toys. And so 
the plot points weren't always super heavy as they are in like current superhero shows. So it's just fun to go back to the basics of just, you know, quirky villain, neighborhood Spider-Man. How did you stop him this time? So it's fun, man. I had a, I had a good time for real. It's like a good comfort watch. A lot of people have compared it either to Looney Tunes or Scooby-Doo or things like that that you would just put on just to have something like light and, and you know, chuckle worthy on. It's like it's like not conducive to podcasting to have serious discussions, but it is very conducive to podcasting if you want to have fun and pick pick fun at how much it doesn't make sense. But if you're not if if you are just turning having it on just to have something on and like you said, turn your brain off or just have something in the background or just have something to just like give you good vibes because it's just like a silly most of the time inoffensive cartoon like it's perfect for that yeah it's <laughs> i can i could definitely i can watch a bunch of episodes of these and just like plow through them because it's just it's just such an easy easy watch you know yeah they just need to put it on disney plus so that we can very easily yeah. you know binge it as our comfort show disney plus Seriously. has everything but that one is that i know right i uh at this point at this point yeah at this point i think animated wise I think this is the only one that they don't okay to specify Western animation. There's some anime oh, yeah. ones that aren't right. and there's the live action show that still isn't, but in terms of Western animation, yeah, I think this is the only one that isn't on Disney plus, which is really bizarre. And I, nobody's been able to, to give us or figure out a good reason why that is. Cause there doesn't seem to be for this one, the rights issues that other ones have had in the past. So there's like theories that it could be the music, like maybe it's because it does have a couple of like racist episodes, but also they but could the just the 80s not shows are on those. there too. Yeah. And those so aren't I, great. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I, I've never heard a good explanation for why it can't be on there because it has streamed on Netflix before years and years ago. So it is like available to like it. those the files exist to do it. So I don't know. It, it doesn't make sense. Have you looked at like maybe uh, in a different uh, region? I know like because me and Disney, oh. Plus, me, me and Disney Plus are beefing because they won't put like Fillmore or the Weekenders on Disney Plus. Oh my god! Been, Tell been, me about I've been it. Really angry about it. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I found out that the UK has Fillmore on Disney Plus. What? Huh? Yes. Yeah. As as far as I know, it's not on on Disney Plus on any region. Like it's not on Dis- It's like it's not streaming anywhere. Period. Like across in in the whole world, which is bizarre. <laughs> that is so strange. What could it yeah. be? I have no fucking idea. I have no answers. Yeah. There's got to be some weird rights tangling thing somewhere because that's the only reason I could really explain um, as to why. Because it doesn't even make sense. Like, it's not like they'd want to bury it because it is in the pop culture consciousness so much. People know the memes from this show. So it's not like they're trying to pretend it doesn't exist because they literally can't. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. Someday. 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 Well, <laughs> I'm glad that we could introduce you to this wonderful new comfort show <laughs> uh, that doesn't have any annoying children fucking things up in it. <laughs> most of the time it doesn't. I will say most of the time yeah, there is not a first episode. There really yeah. has been a child like that getting in the way. Yeah. Yeah. Spider Woman might not be the show for you, but that kid's not nearly as bad. And that kid's on our side about one other character who sucks way more. So, mm. you know. Yeah. This show doesn't have too many kids in it. But anyway, I'm glad I'm glad you could join us talk about this show. Stick if you if people want to find your podcast or anything else that you're working on or just discussing, where can they do that? Oh man. Okay. Uh start with the books. Uh you can go braxtonbooks.com where I have all the books that I've written. 
thus far. I actually have a new one coming out next month. But nice. Yes. Oh, nice. Little, little Cowboy Bebop passion project that I have. Ooh. The podcast available wherever you listen to your podcast from. So that's Clueless Vino and Two Tall Boys. That's T-O-O, Tall Boys, B-O-Y-Z. Uh, yeah, man, that's that's where you can find me. Nice. Yeah, definitely check that stuff out. It's good stuff. Um, I need to check out your books, though. That, is, that I have not checked out yet. So uh, I'm glad that there's one coming up. And Cowboy Bebop, that is a that is a powerful tease you just gave us. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait I'm to find out. That. <laughs> well, if you would like more from Derek and me, you can do that all over the place. I would have you start at our Patreon at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers. Uh, and check out our Discord. There should be a link in the show notes. If you'd like to find Derek and all the stuff he's doing, Derek, where can people do that? Yep, you can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find my podcast, Gimmicks, which looks at the high-concept, experimental, structure-breaking, gimmicky episodes of television. Stick has been on an episode of that talking about Cowboy Bebop, in fact, so staying on brand there. Um, that, was, that was a really fun one. There's going to be new episodes coming out in 2023. Uh, for that show, you can find it anywhere you get your podcasts, as well as on Twitter and Instagram at GimmicksPod. What about you, Doug? You can find me on Twitter at Ikibuli, I-C-K-Y-B-O-O-L-E-Y. If you like Pokemon stuff, if you've been playing Scarlet and Violet, uh, you can listen to me on a podcast talking about Scarlet and Violet called Victory Road. Um, Derek was just on it um, talking about the characters and the story uh, in those games, which is a deeper conversation than most Pokemon games, I think, would get. So uh, <laughs> definitely check that out. And if you like books and video games or other pop culture, you can listen to me on a podcast called Novel Gaming. Check out our monthly podcast, Falling with Style. It's an ongoing Pixar movie marathon where Derek and I watched every Pixar film chronologically. All episodes are out now, including our full end of marathon retrospective, which dropped today, wherever you get your podcasts. Visit our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at wallopingwebpod or email us at wallopingwebsnapperspodcast at gmail.com. Of course, please rate, review, and subscribe on all podcast platforms because if you like what we're doing, somebody else will too, and they just haven't found us yet. Next week, we see a true villain team up. Yes! And the birth of the most prolific meme into Catch a Spider and Double Identity. Oh, yeah. It's see you then. See ya. So. Made it. If you don't tune in on my next week's show, you'll only miss the most exciting adventure of all time. That's all. Fire.